Hi, I'm Mark Janowski with ABC7 Sports. You're listening to The Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Rhino, it's still June. This is probably one, it's probably the toughest month of baseball, but we'll probably say that again in July and August. But how are you feeling? This has been kind of a rough stretch for the Cubbies. It really has been, Chad. We knew it was going to be rough. I'm a little more concerned that I just haven't seen the competitiveness in this team that we saw in June. And that's starting to worry me as they finish up uh, with some really big series down the stretch here in the month. You know who's been playing well? Hendricks. We're going to talk about him, but we're also going to talk about the silent bats. We're going to talk about Javi Baez getting the very public benching. We're going to talk about the the ugly situation with Ben Zobrist and the sticky situation with Major League Baseball cracking down on all those foreign substances. That's right. And we have a great guest this week. Longtime sports director in Chicago for WFLD Fox 32. It's Luke Canellis stopping by. He's going to chat with us as well about the North Siders. So stick around because the Friendly Confines starts right now. Hi, everybody. He's Chad Gordon. I'm Ryan Lieber. Chad, let's start as we always do in the first inning. And the Cubs, well, things have started to go a little silent this month of June. I'll kick it to you first. What do you make of the struggling offense after what we saw in the month of May when the Cubs bats just absolutely exploded? Well, I've got a little bit of good, bad, ugly hope. So I'll start off with this. I mean, I looked into the numbers and if you look at runs scored, um, this Cubs team is, is 15th. And so that means they're, they're right in the middle of major league baseball. If you look at the last 30 days, the last 14 days, the last seven days, the Cubs have the lowest batting average in all of baseball. What does that exactly mean? I don't really know because the, you've got, uh, you, you have, if you look at the, the, the other teams that are out there, um, there are three teams that aren't going to make the playoffs in the Twins, the Rockies, and the Royals. They're in the top 10 in batting average. So what does that really tell you? And then the Brewers, Mariners, Cubs, Cardinals, Indians, Mets, and, and uh, Tampa Bay Rays, they're the bottom six in batting average. So I think baseball's changed in, in a really dramatic way where runs and, and batting average um, aren't always the answer because teams can come in in spurts the way they, they approach things. I think what it does tell me is you look at a situation that David Ross has had, and I brought this up many times, what are they going to do with Jay Hay? What are they going to do with Jason Hayward? Here's a guy that I don't know if he's going to sniff 200 this year. Here's a guy that may slowly falter into 150, and he's keeping guys like Patrick Wisdom on the bench where he could be playing third base and Chris Bryant could be in um, out in right field. My last point I want to share with you to give everybody hope, which I shared, this team is on this date, when we record this Wednesday, this off day before the L.A. series, this team's eight games over 500. The 2015 team, the one that won 97 games, they were nine games over 500 at this point in the season. So let's have hope and realize the Cubs are exactly where you want them to be. This month is a tough month. We knew that going in. A 500 month is going to be great. This team just needs to gel, stay healthy coming out of the All-Star break. All right, that's all good. So I will give the gloom report since you give the bloom report. But in their last 10 games, Chad, this team has been outscored 40 to 21. They have a team batting average of 226. Chris Bryant, who entered the month hitting over 300 since June 11th, which was the last game he was hitting over 300. He is now down to 278 in those last 10 games, Chad, he has gone hitless in seven of them. It's concerning. 
And we know that he got hurt in the Mets game when he got hit by the pitch on his hand. However, uh, these sort of issues with Brian's bat starting to cool off happened prior to that as well. So that's something that I'm a little concerned about too. As you said, look, ebb and flow. We see that all the time in baseball. But after I thought the Cubs had kind of figured out their offensive woes when we saw how much they were scuffling in April, it seems like they've reverted back to that. And that has me a little bit concerned, especially as they're trying to finish up the month of June with at least a 500 record. Uh, right now, they're 11 and 10. You and I talked about it. If they can go 15 and 15 for the month, that's an absolute win. Let's see how it plays out because they are going through a very big stretch now as they are on the road now for the rest of the month. And hopefully they can figure this out and uh, provide a little bit more offense like they did in their last game against Cleveland. Well, let's move on to the second inning. And this was a surprising move, but I maybe a necessary move. And maybe this is the reason why this team turned around and was able to thump the Indians on Tuesday night. But uh, Anthony Rizzo hit a fly ball into left field. Javier Baez, uh, with one out, by the way, was at first, and he makes not even the aggressive turnaround second base, but makes the the regular turnaround second on a routine fly ball to to left field. And the ball was caught. The ball was slowly thrown into the infield, and the ball was slowly thrown over to first. Javi was uh, thrown out, gave a little shoulder shrug, and David Ross benched him. Were you surprised by that move? Was it necessary? Are guys allowed to make a bonehead mistake and, and move on? Are there ramifications to Javi and his mindset? Uh, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I think this was the right move. And I appreciate David Ross, you know, putting the accountability on the star players. Because if your star players aren't able to set the tone and the example that you want to see each and every night out, then what are you doing as a manager of this baseball team? It was a necessary move. And I think the fans appreciated it. And I think that, you know, the, his teammates appreciated it. And it didn't come out afterwards that Baez was upset. He knew he screwed up and he knew he had another opportunity to come back out the next day and play. I, I'm glad we saw it happen because I think as a manager, as a young manager, David Ross is still trying to navigate what he needs to do. A lot of people were always concerned when he was hired in the beginning of this process that he was too close to the players, that these were his teammates, his friends, and that he wasn't going to be able to discipline them. And I think after what we saw the other night when Baez made that boneheaded mistake and then got benched and taken out of the game, we saw that David Ross isn't afraid to challenge the players and say, look, like, if you're going to make stupid plays, then I'm going to yank you from the contest. So kudos to David Ross for being able to do that. But Javi Baez, come on. you got to be better than that. you got to be smarter than that. And you really got to understand what's going on in a game and not fall asleep and make those mental errors because that will kill you every single time out. What about you? Well, I, I, I'm a little confused. I was at the game against the Marlins on Saturday, and I saw, I think, a more egregious error than Javi Baez, you know, forgetting about uh, how many outs there were, which will happen time to time, but it shouldn't happen very often. You should definitely know your your base coach should be, you know, sharing that information. When I'm coaching the bases on my teams, I'm over coaching, which is annoying at times, but I think it's important to remind everybody with your hands up how many it is. So, you know, it was a bad mistake. The mistake I saw on Saturday, which I was surprised that, that David Russ didn't address, there was a Jock Peterson pop-up right over home plate against the Marlins and Jock Peters and the catcher made an insane diving catch in fair territory in fair towards the pitcher's mound diving catch. Jock Peterson was halfway to the dugout. I looked at Edgar and I said, 
buddy, there's no way Jock's in the lineup tomorrow because he was actually pulled that very next inning. I don't know if it was because of that or because of a, a double switch because it did link up that way. But I was surprised to see Jock Peterson in the lineup on Sunday um, because of that. So there needs to be some standardization. I thought what Jock did was worse. But you're right. David Ross has to make that move. He can't let somebody just shrug and go, oh, well, I didn't know. But you know what? Your base coaching has to be better. Your runners have to be more aware. That can't happen again for the rest of the season. This is a Cubs team that in years past, the last few seasons, has not been known for great base running. And we can't see its ugly head getting reared right now because that is not going to be the makings of a strong team down the stretch. All right, so let's move on to the third inning now, Chad, and some better news to discuss. How about the pitching of Kyle Hendricks? This is what we expected from Kyle Hendricks, who has seemed to have found his groove once again after getting off to a very sluggish start. What do you make of the professor getting back and starting to look like the professor of old that we all expected him to be when the season started? Now, paraphrase, paraphrasing Twain, uh, news of my demise, that's uh, greatly exaggerated. News of Kyle's demise, greatly exaggerated. We were coming out on fire in April. He was one of the reasons this Cub was struggling because he was struggling. He couldn't find it. We didn't know if it was a grip issue with the cold weather. He's more of a finesse guy. He's hitting his spots. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. His last, he is 8-0 with a 2.25 ERA in his last eight starts. In other words, he has won each of his last eight starts, that's hard to do. Usually there's some no decisions in there. Usually the offense doesn't help you, but his last eight starts, he's won. He's had 40 strikeouts versus only seven walks, 52 innings pitched. Um, his ERA was about 6-2-3 prior. He's lowered it down to below 4-3-8-4. to three, eight, four. You know, the last guy to do this, Ryan, the last guy to have eight straight starts in the same season where um, he, he won, Jake Arrieta at 2015. You know how that worked out. So I'm very impressed what I'm seeing from, from Kyle. We know going in he had to be the ace and right now he's showing ace materials not in the overpowering fashion that we're seeing in some of the big stars in baseball he is the finesse guy that greg maddox light sort of guy and he has been lights out he absolutely has been and man the cubs need him now more than ever especially since we're seeing this pitching staff slowly start to kind of lose its grip a little bit obviously we have the injuries um and then you have the inconsistency with Jake Arrieta right now. Zach Davies, who, you know, is pitching great as well. He had been struggling in his last start against the Marlins. So this has been needed. You need a guy who can go out and stop the bleeding. We have had that in the past with other pitchers, whether that be John Lester or you Darvish. And Kyle Hendricks is picking up that slack right now as well. And it is so necessary and so needed, as you said. The last pitcher to do it was Jake in 2015 when he obviously he had the year from just, I mean, a year like no other that uh, raised the Cubs to where they were in 2015 and make the postseason. So it's great to see. I almost wonder if you can make a case at some point, if he continues to pitch this way, if Kyle Hendricks makes the all-star team. But I guess we can save that for another day. But it is great to see. And, man, do they need Hendricks more than ever, especially like you, you know, we were saying, the pitching staff is, is really scuffling right now. And, and you need a guy who can stop the bleeding on every fifth day. And that's what Kyle's been doing. Let's move on to the fourth inning. And, you know, I am enjoying the month of June, Ryan. You know, June is my birthday month. You also known that I, I saw two uh, three games rather um, at Petco. I saw two wins and a loss. Um, and I saw one game at Wrigley this last Saturday against the Marlins. I'm going to see two games up at Dodger Stadium. I love this month because it means I get six games at least. I might try to sneak in another one, but six games. 
as we look at the rest of this month, we've got four against the Dodgers starting Thursday night. Um, swept them last time at Wrigley, the three games, and we've got three on the road against the Brewers. How does this month match up for you? We've already talked about our goal. The goal is 500. That is the goal. Anything over 500 is fantastic. One game under is not going to kill me. But as you look into these next seven games, knowing that the Dodgers have actually struggled against the Padres, how are you feeling about this next seven-day stretch as the month of June, my favorite month, birthday month, winds down? I wish I could be a little bit more positive right now, Chad, but this team isn't playing well. Now, we saw you know a, a good offensive output in the final game against Cleveland, but you are going to play the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are out for blood, especially after the last time these two teams played. The Cubs swept them at Wrigley, and you can bet the Dodgers are a different team at Dodger Stadium than they are on the road. So I'm a bit concerned because I'm having flashbacks to the series against San Francisco and the Cubs drop three of four there. And I just really hope that the Cubs can split against the Dodgers because they need to and they have to if they're going to have any chance of trying to finish this month at 500 because then you're going to head over to Milwaukee and the Brewers who certainly are you know, as we know, neck and neck right now in the NL Central with this baseball team. Uh, it's going to take a lot. I hope the Cubs can find a way to figure out their offensive issues and, and try to stay competitive. But um, as past history has shown us when the Cubs are on the road against the Dodgers, it does not fare well. But hopefully after we saw the offensive output that we did in the final game, Maybe the Cubs can make some adjustments and they can go in there and at least get a split. Three out of four would be unbelievable, but losing three out of four uh, certainly will set this team back. And, and that's not something you want to see, of course. What about you? Well, I mean, you've got the, the situation now where they're coming. The Dodgers are coming into the series with a lost series against the Padres, uh, against a, an inter division rival uh, against a team that they need to kind of prove themselves. So regardless of what happens, they've lost that series. So they're coming in. The Cubs are coming out. They're loose. You know, they salvage the the tie against the Indians, which is always a positive on a travel day. And you've got, you, you, you've just got um, this opportunity to prove yourself and the Cubs prove themselves when they swept the Dodgers at home, surprised everybody and kind of started to let everyone kind of shift their focus and say, wait a second, Maybe the team is okay. And so I don't see this as a, as, a, as a hopeless series. I see this as an opportunity for the Cubs offense, which had been playing well up until, um, you know, the Mets series, uh, but largely the Marlins series. The Mets just came in and were on fire um, and were really shutting down the, the bats. But the, the Marlins series, I think in statistics, you always like throw out the anomaly. I feel like that Marlins series is one you look at and you go, that doesn't make any sense. But I'm looking forward to the next couple of games, mainly because I'm going to be there but also because it's an opportunity for the Cubs to just on a, on a really big stage and Dodger stadium is a really big stage playing the Marlins on a weekend series is not a big stage Dodger stadium, the Dodgers, you know um, this is a great opportunity. I'm looking forward to seeing what this team does and how they step up because it's a new series. It's a new season. It's new life. Let's see how this team responds. And that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. All right. So let us move on now to the TMZ portion of the show, Chad, and that being the fifth inning. Some news came out about Ben Zobris as he is suing uh, a gentleman named Byron Yawn, the CEO of Forrest Crane and Co., someone who he knows personally. Uh, He's a former pastor at a community Bible church in Nashville where he is claiming that this man had an affair with his now uh, ex-wife, Juliana Zobris. Uh, You hate to see dirty laundry getting aired out like this, Chad. 
but where do you toe the line of what a athlete's personal life, especially someone like Ben Zobris, makes news for something like this, as opposed to maybe this is something that should stay private and shouldn't be something that the public should have access to. What What is your take on that from a, from your standpoint? Well, I won't go into the philosophy of it because I'll just go into the facts of it just to say, as a Cubs fan, I didn't know what was going on in 19 that caused Ben not to basically to opt out of spring training for personal reasons. I didn't know what was going on where he opted out for part of the 19 season as well. Um, and where his, his career is his amazing career of two MVP um, appear, you know, two MVP awards in different world series with different teams. You know, it ended just with the thud. We didn't know. No, we saw that his wife filed for divorce in 20 and then in Cook County and then pulled it away. We didn't realize until this week that Ben Zobers actually filed for divorce in 19. And he has been pursuing that during this time. And during depositions, everything you shared was shared in the court documents. This is not things that we're making up or, or what we've heard in the rumor mill. This is things in the documents that his wife actually admitted to was the physical relationship. And so it's, it's, it stinks that that happened. It impacted a major league baseball team that I follow. We're following it now. This was a guy that's going to be a legend in, in Cubs history. He'd be a legend in Royals history. And so, um, I hate to talk about it. it. It's a gross situation. It's not unique to society and people. These things happen, but it sure is gross when it comes to this was the guy that was doing marital counseling years and years ago for this group. This was the guy that was as they're having marital counseling and, and, and Ben was sharing that he was feeling depressed or he was down. He was counseling him. All the while he was having this physical relationship. So that's just gross. It's horrible. Um, I hope Ben comes out of this hole. I hope his children are taken care of. Um, but it is a frustrating thing. And it's just, it's gross. And, you know, I just hope none of our listeners, our view, anybody ever has to go through something like this. Because it just is a painful chapter in the Zobra's life. Divorce is never easy for anyone. And it's certainly never easy when it's played out in the public like it is right now. And there is obviously, uh, as you mentioned, gross details that are just put out there, ex you know, explicit details for everyone to see. And I feel bad for his kids. And I feel bad for, you know, someone like Ben Zobrist who had to leave the game of baseball because he had to deal with something like this. He was a devoted family man. He was somebody that, you know, certainly uh, at least, you know, was, uh, you know, part of a community and he was very devoted to the church. You hate to see that. Now, I don't know what goes on in his private life as him as a person or his wife, whatever that is. That's obviously none of our business. But at the end of the day, um, this is a guy who, you know, has won two World Series championships. He also is the World Series MVP for the Cubs. And I feel like while he had, you know, such a spectacular career, this is what people I think are going to be talking about now. When it comes to Ben Zobris, oh, yeah, that was the guy who went through a nasty public divorce. And, you know, it unfortunately takes away from all the great accomplishments to some degree that he had over a 14 year major league career where, you know, he, he was a winner and he was clutch and he did such a great job. And it's unfortunate, like you said before, that he had to walk away from this sport for a period of time because he was dealing with personal issues that had to do with his family and he had to, uh, to, to deal with everything going on there. So whatever the case may be, I wish him the best. I hope he's able to work it out wherever that may go.
Let's move on to the sixth inning. I've been following this closely. You know, I talked about this during our, our studio show on Monday. I talked about it last week, really looking to see how this was going to play out. Of course, I'm talking about Major League Baseball's rushed midseason, I think misguided uh, new rules uh, and regulations around using sticky substances on baseballs, which has been done since ever since there were sticky substances. In other words, it's been done in baseball all the time. But now you're seeing, you know, markings on hats and it's a little bit more obvious now. And they're they're trying to make a move. Well, we saw it play out this week. And Ryan, you know, the big story here, you've seen a bunch of pitchers just get ticked off that they're being asked to do this. DeGrom was asked to do it, which was was hilarious because best pitcher and maybe of all time. Like, yeah, are you using something illegal to be the most amazing pitcher you've ever seen? But I loved that Joe Girardi multiple times because Max Scherzer from the Nationals has been kind of a, one of the people that the, uh, they've been targeting, saying he's been using the stuff that's really helped his stuff. Um, Joe Girardi asked several times for Scherzer to be um, uh, checked out, and eventually Girardi got thrown out for asking one too many times. Now, the way this plays out, I'll get your, your thoughts on this, is once a game, the umpires can just randomly say, let me see your hat. Let me see your glove. Let me see the inside of your belt loop. Um, but other than that, pitchers can actually, um, or I'm sorry, managers can actually make a request for a check. And according with what happened with Girardi, it can be multiple times. How do you think this has been applied so far, Ryan? What do you think the implications are? And what do you think about Major League Baseball just doing this midseason? It's been a mess. It's been an absolute mess, Chad. And this is just silly. The fact that Joe Girardi had Max Scherzer checked three times during one inning to see if he was, you know, doing anything with the baseballs. It's just getting ridiculous. I understand that, look, we're going to be checking players, but the umpires don't know how to go about doing it. Why don't you do it in between innings? Why don't you do it in the dugout so you don't have to kind of put it out there in front of everybody while they're on the mound to check it, you know? And if you find that they're doctoring the baseball on their glove or you notice that the baseball has some issues, in between innings, okay, then make a decision. But for Joe Girardi or for any of these managers, you know, to check Jacob DeGrom, what about the pitchers that are probably cheating, but they just don't have the great stuff that those pitchers got, that those pitchers have. So they're going to get away scot-free because nobody thinks they're doing anything to the baseballs because maybe their ERA is not as good as those guys or their strikeout ratio or their spin rate is not as good as those guys. That's where I just find this whole, this whole thing silly. So Major League Baseball, once again, shooting themselves in the foot, doing a terrible job of trying to, you know, figure out how to handle this. And hopefully they can clean this up. But right now it has been completely sloppy and it's just been absolutely awful to watch. Mike Rizzo, the GM of the Washington Nationals, called Joe Girardi a con artist. (laughs) He said, I don't have a problem with it. He's just trying to protect his club. But what he was doing was pretty slimy. And it was. And there needs to be rules. You can't multiple times and somebody proposed something today to basically say okay you can ask for one but any other ones after that then you lose a mound visit there has to be something punitive um if if it comes up empty it's almost like a challenge replay right take the replay away something like that and it uh, it's interesting because i do appreciate the intent of it spin rates are off the charts and they've been going off the charts the last two class couple of seasons and that's impacting in fact uh, affecting offense it's affecting balls in play it's affecting the 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 batting average dirt that we're seeing right now it's affecting runs it's it's affecting baseball it's affecting hitters we all would prefer to see a lot more offense and and i guess the 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 
The intent of it, I agree with. The way it was deployed, I don't. You don't do something like this mid-season where people could be injured, could be hurt um, because they've had to change up their approach um, because they've relied on it. They didn't think this was going to happen um, midway through the season. And so I think Major League Baseball bungled this. It's nothing new for Rob Manfred. It's nothing new at all. One thing I did love and I appreciate it so much, Scherzer against the Phillies. He was in the dugout on the game either Tuesday or Wednesday, and he yelled out to the umpire and he asked them to check Bryce Harper's hair. He said there has to be some illegal substances in Bryce's hair. I thought that was hilarious. I love the levity. I think this will work out. I think it's a clunky first week. It's going to be interesting to see in a key situation, maybe in a Sunday night game, where we start seeing guys thrown out and we start seeing these 10-game ejections. I'm looking forward to seeing if that actually rears its ugly head. But right now, Major League Baseball, shame on you for the way you put this into play. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. We have a great guest this week, longtime sportscaster in the Chicago market. He's the sports director at WFLD Fox 32, covers the Bears, covers all the Chicago teams. It is our pleasure to welcome Lou Canellis to the program. Hey, Lou, good to see you. How you doing? Ryan, good morning. How are you? I am good, and you can find Lou on Twitter, at Lou Canellis, so be sure to check him out there as well. All right, Lou, let's start here. The city of Chicago, it's fully open again. We're starting to see crowds again at baseball games. How great was it to kind of see Wrigley Field at full capacity again and being able to kind of experience what, you know, a baseball game is all about, having fans in the stands and having just all of that momentum and energy in the ballpark? Well, with the Cubs playing as well as they have, actually surprising a lot of people, sitting atop the National League Central. And then the Cardinals in town, you really had a play playoff atmosphere a couple of weekends ago out at Wrigley Field. So, you know, Wrigley's always been known as a playground of sorts for young people to go. And not I'm not sure enjoy baseball as much as enjoy, enjoy girl watching and, and drinking beers. But in this case, it was about enjoying baseball and the Cubs did the job against the Cardinals. Uh, it was terrific. I mean, just to see the juice in the stands again. I mean, obviously we're all going through uh, withdrawal and it's great to be back out there at the ball games. And it's great to have the Cubs winning like uh, they have been. So the energy in this city was just terrific. Well, so you bring up a good point about the Cubs. Obviously, they've surprised a lot of people so far this year. But do you ultimately feel like, Lou, and certainly we have a long season, that when it's all said and done, this team will be in the position to win the NL Central and make the postseason this year? You know what? I'm not sure, Ryan. I'll tell you what. Over the next four weeks, we will find out for sure. But recently, we've seen those bats go cold again, as bad a start as they had at the plate. Uh, They picked things up then in May. And now they're even worse here in the month of June when it comes to batting average. Last I looked, I think as a team, they're hitting a buck 85. And again, we're talking about the top players really struggling at the plate. Javi Baez, who's become a make or break guy at the plate. It's either a home run or a strikeout. He leads the major leagues in strikeouts, hitting less than his weight. Chris Bryant is uh, having a tough time right now in the month of June. So is Wilson Contreras. And while we want to believe that they're going to put it together, listen, this team has struggled at the plate since they fired Chili Davis back in 2018. And Chili took the brunt of the, uh, you know, the criticism back then. And things have not gotten better 
as a team in a 60 game schedule last year, they hit 220. And if you're not going to deliver at the plate, if you're not going to get guys on base and maybe Matt Duffy and Nico Horner coming back into the lineup off their injuries, maybe that will change those two guys atop the team right now and on base percentage. Uh, if you're not going to deliver at the plate, with your stars, especially Ryan, then you better get terrific starting pitching. They did. And, you know, Kyle Hendricks has been solid, won eight starts in a row. But are you going to depend on only Kyle Hendricks and Adbert Elzelai? That's the problem. Jake Arietta, after five starts to open the season, has been awful in his last nine starts. Do you believe in Trevor Williams? Do you believe in Zach Davies? Do you believe in Alec Mills? I'm not sure I do. Yeah, no, and you bring up a good point, and this might be a hard question to answer, Lou, but do you think this team is more like the team we saw in April and kind of right now here in June, or is this team more like the team we saw in May? What, what do you take away from that? Well, you know, obviously the schedule has gotten more difficult recently, which can attribute to the fact that this team has struggled at the plate. I mean, you're, you're talking about far better pitching that they have faced. Um, and if you're going to look at what the Cubs should do, should they be buyers or sellers at the end of July, I think you need to look ahead to playoff baseball and realize when it comes to the postseason, the best in pitching stands out. So if your team all right, admittedly has a tough time at the plate hitting really good pitching, then I'm a seller. I'm a seller at the end of July. Um, we're going to find out more over the next four weeks. I think it's important to get Horner and Duffy back in the lineup and hope they stay healthy the rest of this season. But if you're asking me today, what, June 26th, June 27th, what I think the Cubs should do and will do, I think Jed Hoyer's a seller at the end of July. Interesting point. And I, I can't disagree with you either. I, I mean, I think it can go either way for sure. Let, let me ask you this. This was a big story in Chicago a couple of weeks ago when Anthony Rizzo and Jason Hayward both openly admitted that they have not and will not take the COVID vaccine. What's been the reaction, in your opinion, from the city, how they have viewed that decision? And do you think it puts the Cubs at, at a disadvantage not getting to that 85 percent plateau where the team is ultimately all vaccinated? I'm not sure it puts the Cubs at a disadvantage. I know that they don't get the liberties that others team, other teams do, like the White Sox, um, with, uh, what is it, 85% of the team vaccinated. Uh, here, at, at least, you know, amongst fans and talk shows, I don't really think the fans care. The fans just want to see the product on the field deliver. And that product has not delivered. So, um you know, I have my own personal feelings about people that choose not to get the vaccine, but I'll keep those to myself. Of course. Lou Canellis joining us here on the seventh inning stretch. Lou, you, you mentioned that you think, you know, you, the Cubs could ultimately be sellers at the end of the, July, of the month of July. With that being said, does that include, in your opinion, Chris Bryant being on the trading block and ultimately finishing out the season with another team? I think so. You know, going into the season, Ryan, everyone felt that of the big four. So Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, Contreras, who's a free agent after next season. And we always forget about Craig Kimbrell, who has delivered finally in the closer role, who 
truthfully might be the most valuable of all of them when it comes to shopping players uh, going into the season everyone felt brian was the guy that for sure would be dealt then brian comes out has a terrific may okay basically puts the team on his back plays five different positions out there anything to help this team get through its injuries and many feel well you can't trade brian Listen, whether it's Bryant or it's Baez, in my opinion, you need to move at least two or three, and I'm including Kimbrell amongst the um, five. Let's call it five when you bring Contreras into the mix as well. I truly believe, unless this team goes on a run, and we're going to find out, they've got a a Milwaukee team coming up that's got as good a starting staff as any out there right now. Let's see if those bats deliver against the Brewers. If they don't, and again, I want to see the bats deliver against some of baseball's best pitching, not beat up on the also rants. If they deliver, then maybe you reconsider and you go into the trading deadline and you're right there atop the National League Central in a bad division, but you look back and you say to yourself, well, the bats came alive finally against some really good pitching. So we know that they're capable of it. And the addition of Duffy and Horner back in the lineup at least gave them guys on base. So it wasn't a team that was only trying to deliver the long ball. If it comes through against some real good pitching coming up, then maybe I reconsider being sellers. If it doesn't, I'm moving anyone and everyone as long as the deal is right. I'll never forget. Let's go back to when the White Sox made the Chris Sale trade. That hurt. I mean, as a White Sox fan, that hurt. But look at how it rebuilt the farm system and basically rebuilt this club. Obviously, they made other trades as well. With the Nationals bringing in Giolito and Dunning, who was, you know, moved for Lance Lynn. But um, it hurt, and I know it's going to hurt Cubs fans, but folks, we've been through this now, what? 2017, oh, you know what? They'll come back. 2018, oh, you know, they'll come back. 2020, you know, at some point, you need to make a move. And Anthony Rizzo didn't like the first offer made by the Cubs. Maybe Rizzo doesn't finish out his contract here in Chicago. If I'm Jed Hoyer, he's the last of the five that I'm looking to move because I think he brings so much more than what he does at the plate and in the field. I think he's such a leader in that locker room. He's so important to the growth of this franchise if they go through a rebuild. Brian at the top, maybe Baez. He didn't help his cause by, uh, you know, with his bonehead move the other night. Krimble, uh, Kimbrell for sure, especially when you got, you know, so many teams out there that are like, uh, looking for, for closers. And Wilson Contreras, I don't understand. I'm a huge Wilson Contreras fan. I, I just, what I, what I have a tough time embracing is why would you move catchers that, that, that are good defensively and at the plate when hot are so tough to come by. I don't know why everyone's so anxious to move Contreras. So the last two players I'd be anxious to move would be Contreras and Rizzo. And at the top of the list, you'd have Kimbrell. In my opinion, Bryant, because he's going to bring more back than Baez. And our thanks to Lou Canellis of Fox 32 WFLD in Chicago. You can find Lou at Lou Canellis. Be sure to check him out there. It was great to catch up with him. He's been in the market for a really long time. Really appreciate him taking the time 
to join us. You can find Chad and I on social media. I'm at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon. And be sure to check out our Facebook page as well. We have the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. We would love for you to join the conversation and be a part of our Facebook page. And what else do we have, Chad? We have a website, too, that people can go to, don't we? Yeah, go to theconfines.com. It's as simple as that. Type in theconfines.com. That's ours. And at the very bottom, you could sign up for a newsletter, and you can get it every week, every month, every day, whatever. You choose the settings, but it'll let you know when new content is dropped and you can stay, say a sign, but wherever you podcast, obviously you've already found us, but it would be amazing if, if a couple listeners would take the moment to share our podcast on their social media and, te- and tell your fellow Cubs fans, you enjoy listening because that's how we continue to grow. And we want to continue to bring um, better guests on every single week, which I think we do the best job. I will remind you of the time that you said, Hey, I've got Lou Canellis and, uh, and I was like, what? Because I misheard you. I'm like, you got Lou Pinella? I was so excited. I was like, oh, man, all the con- all the stories we're going to talk to Lou Pinella about. So we still got to get Lou. Let's still focus on Lou. Nothing against your guy this week. Great interview, as always, by you. But let's get Lou Pinella. That'd be a lot of fun, right? Oh, my God, I would love to get Lou Pinella. That would Do you remember great. that? Do you remember when I was like, oh, I remember. Pinella? Absolutely, I remember. <laughs> and you thought, like, boy, you're pretty nonchalant for having yeah. Lou Pinella on the yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, I remember you texted me. You're like, uh, "Call me right now." Uh, major thing, and you're like, "Got George Will, got 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 Joe Buck." So we always have some good ones, and I, I hopefully, and then I think I've gotten a couple. What was your favorite one that I got? Do you think? Uh, well, you got Chris Myers. That was a really good one. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, well, Scott Simon was terrific. Too, yeah, you he got, was fun. That was a great one too. Yeah, yeah. you got and some Pat, good ones. Pat Hughes last and year Pat Hughes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back after him and see if, if he'll stick to his 10 minute thing. But I'll see if we can get him again this year. All right, let's move on to the eighth inning. Enough self promotion. Nobody wants to hear that. Uh, and Rhino, you know, it's not to the All Star break. As I mentioned before, as of this recording, eight games over 500. That ain't bad. Leading the Central Division. That ain't bad. But as you look at this Central Division, and let's just let's let's wipe away the Pirates and assume they're not going to go on some crazy run. Even though we love their manager, who's a friend of the show. Um, what do you think about the Cubs' biggest threats as it applies to the National League Central title? So I think the obvious answer, of course, is somebody that you would say the Milwaukee Brewers, right? Because they're currently tied with the Cubs or have a half-game lead on the Cubs, whatever the, the day may be at that point. But I'm going to go out on a limb here, Chad. The Cincinnati Reds are a team that's so intriguing to me. You know, I was pretty high on them going into the season I felt like they had some pretty solid offensive players you know with Joey Votto and Nick Castellanos but now Jesse Winker has kind of become a guy who really is you know just turning heads and he's going to be an all-star and you know you can make the case he, he might be the uh, favorite for the MVP this year with the numbers he's putting up but you know there's there's such a interesting dynamic with this team they go out and they beat teams like the Brewers and they sweep them in Milwaukee and they're starting to catch their stride. Now, I don't know if they can keep it up, but you know, they got some decent guys that can pitch. And so I'm not convinced that the or rather, I I'm not so sure that the, the Brewers are really the team the Cubs have to worry about come maybe September. The Reds might be better than we're giving them credit for. So Certainly, this could change, but I'm just going to say for the sake of a change in a team, I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Reds. I hate this. I hate a green because it does make for a good show, but I wrote down um, Reds when you put the rundown out. It's, it's, it, for me, it is the Reds, and when I did my research on 
the Cubs and their woes as of late, you know, since the, the, uh, since the Mets series, um, the Reds are sixth in batting average, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sixth in runs, seventh in batting average and seventh in OPS. I mean, they are scoring at will, hitting the ball well, generating offense. They're not reliant on, on, on the long ball, um, but they're hitting a lot of great long balls. They've got an MVP uh, candidate, Nick Castellanos, which, you know, the Cubs are, are very sad to, to see that go, um, to see them go and not, not keep him in, in free agency. But that Reds team is very sneaky, scary. And um, can they hold on long enough? I always think it's just always interesting. The team that nobody expects um, from the central usually is the one that kind of comes in and surprises some others. So I think what we're seeing right now, um, and you look at the standings and you're right, I, you, you corrected me. I, and that's right. Right now the Brewers are half a game because the Cubs are off today, but right now you've got the Brewers at nine games over the Cubs at eight games over, and you've got Cincinnati right at 500. So right now they're not knocking on the door, but it could happen. Um, I'm, I'm really you know, souring on, on, on the Cardinals. And I, I give it to a friend of the show and our, my, my co-host sending in for you last week, Lante, he's a big Cardinal fan, big broadcaster in Champaign Urbana for ESPN there. You know, he just doesn't think that the Cardinals have what it takes right now. And they've been continuing to falter and they're seven games back right now, but yeah, Cincinnati looks good and they look like a team very nonchalantly that is able to kind of go to toe to toe with a lot of different guys. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can hold on, um, and if they can hold down down the stretch, but what I've seen so far has been very, um, just very, uh, I wouldn't say surprising because you're right. We both talked about them as being a team that could potentially do it. And you look at their schedule, they're winning a lot of series. They swept a four game series against the Cardinals this month. Um, they swept the Rockies as you should, they swept the Brewers. Um, but then again, they got swept by the Padres, uh, and then they only split against the twins. So let's see how it plays out. They're, they're going against the Braves this week. All right, so let's finish up in the ninth inning, Chad. In an anniversary to celebrate, June 23rd, 1984. It is the 37-year anniversary. Can you believe it's been 37 years, Chad, of the Sandberg game? Arguably the most famous game in the history of Chicago Cubs baseball. You know, maybe short of uh, a game that happened in Cleveland or uh, a game that happened at Wrigley when they, you know, clinched against the Dodgers. This might be right below that or maybe in 84, but it's up there. I mean, it is definitely a game that people talk about in Cubs lore. The Chicago Cubs beat the Cardinals 12 to 11. Ryan Sandberg with uh, the game of his life. What do you remember? Because this was a year you were really into the Cubs. Do you remember anything about that game or what do you take away and memories that you have of the quote Sandberg game? No offense to 10 year old kids. I was a dumb 10 year old kid when this game was on. So I didn't know stats. I didn't know what was really going on from the perspective. I knew excitement and I do remember this game, but I didn't, it, it's not one of those things that I'm like, I remember sitting on my uncle's couch, you know, you know, you know, with my grandma making cookies. Like that's when I saw a lot of these games and it, it was, it was this amazing game. Um, I do remember it and it has this place in, in Cubs lore and it really has this place in Ryan Sandberg lore. One of the things that I love about it, and, and, and Sandberg is, is the reason why a lot of people in Chicago wear 23. Well, not really. It's Jordan. But Sandberg is, is a lot of people's favorite player from my generation, right? But Willie McGee, if Ryan hadn't done either of the home runs he did, if he didn't do the first one, he wouldn't hit the second one. Willie McGee 
was four for six. He had six RBIs, and he was a single shy of hitting for the cycle. Nobody talks about Willie McGee, but I do love that stat that that guy would have been. People would have been talking about the Willie McGee game at Wrigley. But Ryan Sandberg, a legend, one of those guys because of domestic issues, his career was actually um, cut short, not of his fault, but uh, again, on the other side of it. Um, an incredibly fun game to watch. It's fun to watch those highlights on our Friendly Confines Facebook page. I actually put the YouTube link so you can kind of watch and hear the excitement of, of the broadcasters. Uh, um, just just one of those immortal moments and one of the reasons why baseball is amazing medium for things like this. Yeah, it's interesting. So I was too young to remember the Sandberg game. I, I wasn't quite into baseball just yet. You mentioned Willie McGee. He hit for the cycle that day, people remember. He was really going to be the player of the game had the Cubs not come back and you know won that game, of course. He, he went four for six with six RBIs. Sandberg, if you remember correctly, because I watched a documentary about this. Yes, he had the two home runs against Bruce Suter, which, you know, back then Bruce Suter was like, I guess the best comparison I can make for people is like he was like Craig Kimbrell is right now, like basically unhittable. Yeah. And, you know, you, you for him to have given up two home runs, you know, to, to Sandberg was like unheard of at that point. The other part of the equation to Sandberg had seven RBIs in that game, but he had three singles. And I remember his singles from watching the documentary. They were just, you know, kind of like plain singles, like nothing yep. really crazy. Um, the other part of this is people talk about the fact that Sandberg hit the two home runs off Bruce Suter. Neither one of them put the Cubs ahead. They both tied the game. And the other part of this is you may not remember or know this, Chad, that Bruce Suter did not lose the game. Dave Rucker actually lost the game. He was the one that gave up the 12th run. Suter was pulled from the game after he gave up the second home run to Sandberg. So Bruce Suter, while he's kind of known as the guy who gave up the two home runs, he actually did not fare in the decision, and he ultimately did not get the loss in that game as well. So it's kind of just some interesting tidbits of that game when you think about um, just all the things that happened um, during that contest. But you know, certainly it was the game that I think, A, springboarded Sandberg into the conversation about winning the most valuable player that year, which he did. And I think it kind of springboarded the Cubs to ultimately starting that run to get to where they ultimately did. And that's winning the NL East and going to the postseason to uh, play the Dodgers in the National League Championship yeah. Series. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, you know, Bob Costas is doing it. It's the Saturday afternoon, you know, game of the week. And so it just had such a high profile, but yeah, what a game and a lot of trivia questions. I wonder if our buddy, uh, Jeremy Kahneman, uh, our Cardinal fan trivia wizard, if he, if he actually knows who got the uh, game winning hit or who had the save, it'd be interesting to know. That's absolutely true. So with that, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the friendly confines. Once again, our thanks to Luke Canellis from WFLD Fox 32 for Chad. I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Have a good one. See you at the see adult see a Dodger Stadium this weekend, everybody. Who's coming out? Hit me on Twitter. Let's have a beer. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same. When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field. The first time you walk into Wrigley.